Hello, everybody. It's so good to see you. I was really nervous that this was going to feel really weird because we can't see your faces. But actually, because you're so active and talkative, I am loving it. Um, so my name is Dana, um, Dana Masters. I am married to the gorgeous Andrew Masters, who is originally from Northern Ireland. I have lived in Northern Ireland for 12 years. We have three children. We have a nine-year-old daughter and two twin boys who are seven. And I'm originally from South Carolina in the United States of America. Um, and I am a musician. I was actually, Michelle, trying to, try to, um, trying to decide how I was going to categorize my level of family life. You know, so they have like the stay-at-home moms, the work-at-home moms, the workout. And I realized that on any given day, I could be all of those. <laughs> just, it just depends on what day you're talking about. So I feel like I've, I've got a little bit of the experience mm -hmm. of all those things. And my husband it leads um, Lagan Valley Vineyard. I am not a co-leader with him. That is, I'm not a pastor at Lagan Valley Vineyard, although it is my church and I love it dearly. Um, and, uh, but I'm a full-time musician. Um, and I have invited my friend, Michelle Scott. She is one of my best friends in the whole world. I have known her longer than I have actually lived in Northern Ireland. So I don't even know how many years we've known each other, Michelle, but, um, and, uh, her and her husband, JC are just some of our best friends. She is one of the best people I know at, um, being transparent about and being honest about and intentionally doing family and spiritual formation and family and, and all that good stuff. So I wanted you to be able to hear from her. And also her children are a lot older. They are like young men now, you know, transitioning out of the home. So um, yeah, Michelle, do you want to tell all the lovely people a little bit about yourself? Yep. So I, thankfully, our two husbands were also doing a seminar yesterday, which, um, yep. which, which was great because Andy said that we first met him in 2006. So I couldn't remember exactly the year. So I feel like our relationship with the Masters family started even before Dana, you and Andy were dating. That's where, that's, so I go back to 2006 and then that's met true. you properly when you guys got engaged. Um, and you come over one summer and I remember you coming to visit us. We were on holidays in the North Coast and you came to visit and that was fantastic. Um, so our boys are, so Caleb is 23 and he lives completely out of the home. He lives in Belfast, working and living there. Um, Micah is 21 and he is back living at home at the minute. Um, he uh, was at university in Liverpool, lived there for a while and he's now back home. And Matthew is 20 and he's just finishing up his final year of uni in Belfast. So he's kind of here and there. And at the minute, because of COVID, yeah, he's paying rent for a house in Belfast that he's not really supposed to be in. And all that lovely yeah. challenge that our students are having currently in the middle of this crisis. So that's I where know. we are. So we have at the minute, we have two two sons also who attend our church. And well, no, Micah, actually, that's I tell a lie. You know, Micah is actually still part of the Liverpool vineyard the herald vineyard in liverpool he's still part of their their church he catches in online so I, just because he's home i think he's back but he's not actually he's still very much part of herald caleb is part of a church in belfast called central so and matthew is still with us amazing and you and jc tell me about what you do what's oh, your yeah. life vocation yeah. so um at the minute i um well 
I am paid part-time. <laughs> I am yeah. working full-time for the church. I mean, there's no point. I work full-time yeah. as pastor. We both lead together. We've done that right from the beginning, even before where we were both bivocational when we planted Vineyard Church in Gannon. Um, and we lead very much together um, as a partnership when we came into, I know this isn't a church planting seminar, but when we came into church planting, we just really um, led church like we parent. And that for us was just partnership right from the, the beginning. And we're very different, very different strengths, very different um, challenges. <laughs> so yep. yeah, we've learned over 17 years now. We, we planted the church in 2004. So over 17 years, we've learned how to work well together. Dana has just disappeared. Dana, where did you go? Okay, so um, I'm assuming, oh, here she coming back. Is Dana coming back now? I'm assuming she's got, her, her Wi-Fi must have dropped. So yeah, so that's how Jason and I sort of function. Hey, you scared the lady. Clean out of me. <laughs> if that happens again, you know what to do. <laughs> you know what to do, girl. You just keep going. <laughs> oh. Please don't do that again. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I currently do: work full time in church, and um, oh, and the boys. When the boys were younger, um, I was part time because then I was able to do all the things with them as well. Awesome, Michelle. You, uh, I love you. You inspire me because you are bossing this whole leadership thing, and you've always been bossing it. So that's a that's a whole nother seminar you could be doing on leadership, but. This seminar that Michelle and I are gonna be doing today is gonna to focus on a conversation about spiritual formation, specifically within family. Um, and also during COVID, like, let's be honest, like this is, this is our reality right now and things look different. So we might as well talk about it. Um, and you all seem to have found that chat feature really well. So you just keep on chatting to us, throw questions into that. And also, um, like if you want to hear more about a certain thing, throw that up there. And if we can oblige, we definitely will. Yeah. One thing you know about me and Michelle, we could literally talk for hours. So this like this little tester of a convert that this one hour is like our intro to most of our conversations. So like, like you yeah. know, so we're gonna try to actually jump right into it um, so we can get as much stuff talked about as possible. So Michelle, let's talk about um the challenges you faced within your family mm -hmm. and around spiritual formation uh, take yourself back to um maybe when the boys were younger particularly when vineyard dungannon uh vineyard church dungannon was a little bit smaller maybe not as established because you all planted as a family yeah and that was intense How, what was your thinking towards the idea of a family-centered spiritual formation rhythm? What did that look like? Yeah, you know. That's a good question. Um, so for us, we, when we planted in 2004, so Matthew was, um, yeah, Matthew was still three. So we had a three, four, five-year-old, three, four, six-year-olds um, at that time. So the boys were small. Um, and even at the time, whenever we were planting, I mean, our boys, we were part of Cosby Coast Vineyard. They loved their church family. I mean, they were fully involved at that stage. Causeway was probably a um, size of maybe of a couple of hundred people, probably much the same as the size as our church, Vineyard Church in Gannon is now. So we were plucking them out of something 
established. We started going there in 1999, just after Micah was born. So in many ways, that was all they knew. And we were lifting them from that into a whole brand new church plant. So for us, it was really important that they knew that we were doing this together, you know, that they were also yeah. being called. So I mean, and that's what that looks like for a three, four and six year old. But we had them in the conversation. We had them in the conversation about God calling us, about what God was leading us into. What would that look like? I mean, I still remember when we had to sit them down because originally we were going to plant in Markerfeld, which was close to where we lived. And then God called us to Dunangannon. And that was a shift because we knew then we were going to have to take the boys. By this stage, they were in primary school and we were going to have to take them out of primary school and move to a whole different town, a whole different area um, away from all our family, my extended family support um, and a whole brand new place where they literally knew no one. They knew no one, you know, whenever we first came here. Um, and I remember us telling the boys and Micah, <laughs> he doesn't, and Micah gave me permission to share anything about him that I, that I want today. Dangerous thing. Um, but he, Micah has Asperger's um, and so change is really difficult for him. So when we were sitting um, at the dinner table one night and I don't know if you remember the movie Fighting Nemo. So Squirtle, Squirtle, yep. Squirtle the Turtle was Micah's favourite character and Jason had brought him one home from a trip he was on and he said, start, he says, I want to tell you a story and he started telling us about Squirtle the Turtle and how Squirtle the Turtle was really sad because his parents had told him that they were moving oceans and they were moving to a different ocean and that Squirtle was just so sad about this and he really felt like his mum and dad wouldn't listen to him and he really didn't want to move oceans and all of this stuff and he told this whole story and we're all sitting looking at him and me and Jason I looked at him and I went Micah this isn't really about Squirtle the turtle is it and he goes how did you know <laughs> like <laughs> this is really about oh, I mean, so in that moment we got to again talk to the boys about Colin we got to talk to him about yes this is hard there was no there was no and I think that's if, this is a long way around to talk about, about spiritual formation in our family, but I think we just use teachable moments all the time. So in this moment, we began to teach yeah. about what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean whenever Jesus asks you to do hard things that you might not like and you might not want to do? But what does that look like to say yes when it's difficult? And even for then a four-year-old, five-year-old to be able to say to him, Michael, we know this is hard, but we trust that God has called us and we're trusting that God is leading us into something a real adventure as well so yes it's hard but it's also an adventure and whenever we talked about it like that we were like but you know why would you not want to do what Jesus wants you to do you know and just kind of used it as this whole opportunity to explain really discipleship to them in, in that moment yeah. and I think that was our we're not overly structured <laughs> like we like at times we would have family devotionals but that wasn't like I can't say that we started that when they were born right through to they were teenagers like we didn't they were sporadic but what I feel what was consistent the whole yeah. way through was teachable moments like I can't I think there was hardly a day went by but we didn't have a conversation about Jesus and we didn't um teach them about what you know what God was actually speaking yeah. to us in this moment and in this scenario that's incredible. I love that. Um, I'm with Sarah. Sarah Derry says, I love that, that idea of God leading mm -hmm. us into an adventure. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I, I echo you because we're in a, a sort of different stage of family life and mm -hmm. you've been through that stage before. Our kids 
are younger. And when we planted church or when Andrew and the team planted church, it I was having babies. Sure. I had three babies in 18 months. And uh, yes, yes. And then months, you just no. like totally, totally I'm Michelle, I'm knocking you in the water, beating you on that. Guys, this is an ongoing debate between the two of us. Michelle <laughs> totally beat me because okay, I had three babies in 18 months, but Michelle had three separate <laughs> pregnancies. And back to back. And baby number two when baby number three got found, like you found out baby number three was coming. 12 weeks there's there's exactly 11 yeah. months between the two yeah yeah anyway sorry i interrupted you there yes. you were telling me about your you and your small children and how you do <laughs> yeah well this this idea of um i was chatting to a, a young mom last night and i had to say to her like you can't do all the things right now like when your kids are small you think oh we're gonna have family devotionals everybody sit down let's talk about jesus <laughs> And they don't want to talk about Jesus. They do not want to talk about Jesus in a circle with you. They do not want to listen to your little children's devotional, you know, and it's really funny how then in that stage of life, it's actually the rhythm of them being able to see your yes to Jesus, the decisions that you're making, pulling them into why things are happening. Mm -hmm that conversation what they're exposed to is seems to be something that's way more important than you know the impossible devotional schedule yeah when your kids are small do you know what i mean yeah yeah and but were there sorry go ahead were there any habits were there any habits that you look <clears throat> back and say this thing kept happening or for whatever reason this was one important thing that we found honestly i think the teachable moments thing was just like i remember moments where like matthew <laughs> or matthew gave his life to jesus in the toilets of a restaurant <laughs> of course he did of course matthew did <laughs> you matthew yeah. that would not like literally um like literally like we were out for my birthday and yeah we were just chatting and that's what i mean you just it's like in in the middle of i, I get that's the thing with having three small children life is relentless everything just feels relentless and i think that jason yeah. and i just decided that we were just going to not and i'm sure we missed like at the same time i'm sure we missed thousands i'm sure i missed thousands of moments yeah. but what we decided was when we when we saw a moment we would take it so whatever that yeah. looked like if that meant having to take that one child to the side and just talk to them and really listen to them and really zone into what the Lord is doing in that moment. So often it was actually individually. It wasn't always all three of them together because our boys, like most people's children, are, are so different. They're very different. Yeah. So we had to even encourage them in their faith with Jesus very individually. Not not only could we parent them, like our values are the same across the board, but how we parent each of our boys have been so different. And it's probably having Micah with being on the spectrum actually has helped us to, to feel the freedom in that because you couldn't parent a child on the autistic spectrum the same as two neurotypical children because it's just not going to work. So it gave us it gave yeah. us the freedom to really do to parent that. But I want to give you a funny story. So then whenever one of our non-negotiables, even when we're in holidays, is we try to we, we go to church where we can. 
and there was one one summer we were in Portugal and we I don't know why but we couldn't we couldn't find a church or we decided we wouldn't but we decided we would do family devotionals now by this time the boys are in their teenage years well they hated it I mean it was no, the most awkward uncomfortable I was just completely forcing it I was like no this is what I want to do. This is what we're doing. They still talk about it. They still cringe about it. They, make, they tease the life out of me now about it. They're going, Mom, like, why did you, like, that was just awful. I mean, don't ever tell anyone yeah. that you did that or that you forced us to do that because it was awful. So I think there's been a lot of learning of, <laughs> <laughs> like, they just hated it. Like I said, okay, so you're going to be in charge of praying and you're going to do a wee devotional bit and you're going to do this and that. You like gave them jobs. Yeah. You're, like, you're gonna take up the offering, and you're gonna do the announcements. <laughs> and they were just like looking at each other, going, "I hate this. Like, I absolutely hate this." Um, another thing, yeah. as well as the teachable moments, is that we would regularly check in with them, and just say, "You know, are you?" There was an expectation of right spiritual formation. Your own spiritual formation is your responsibility. So when they were younger, before apps I'm old we got them we devotional books you know like to help them age appropriate yeah. to help them read their bible we made sure they had a bible but we kind of said that this is your responsibility if you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus you need to pray and read and that's what happened to me I became a Christian when I was seven my parents weren't Christians but my youth leader at the time my children's ministry leader gave me a devotional book and my bible and just said right every day you read your bible and you pray and I was like Okay, yeah. that's what you do. So we would yeah. check in with the boys. Even now, we would check in with them now and again and say, hey, how's, how's your relationship with Jesus? Like, are you connecting with them on a daily basis? How's that going for you? And not in a, a guilt way, but just in a remembering them sort of saying, you know, this is really good for you. But like, are you taking your vitamins? And are you, yeah. you know, are you eating sugar all the time? It's, yeah. like a, it's a check-in on their spiritual health. Yeah. That's so interesting. I love that. I love that because what one of passionate about is that people feel the freedom to find the thing that works for their family because how much of your young family life did you feel sort of almost guilty or like you weren't doing all the things and you looked around and somebody else was having this kind of devotional <clears throat> life with their kids and this that and the other but also the freedom to know that it shifts and changes throughout the year. So my kids, my boys are seven years old. So those are the youngest kids we have in the house. And up until recently, there was no <laughs> sitting down and having family devotionals. Like, honestly, it, that was a surefire road <laughs> to mayhem. Like that was never going to work, you know? Um, and, but we did start this thing because I, I, you know me, Michelle, I'm addicted to Christmas. Christmas yeah. is you my Jason. jam. Christmas yeah. is my time. Do not mess yeah. with me about Christmas. It is all happening. The magic will appear. We are all invested in Christmas. So that's like the only time I'm like forcing my family into like real strict rhythms. And a few years ago, we bought that. Do you remember that book I showed you, Michelle? Um, oh. Unwrapping the Best Gift or something, whatever that Anne was. Anne Voskamp. By Anne Voskamp. And it's like a family, yes. And it's like a family devotional thing. And we bought that in 2016. And I will tell you that 
it was hard work, but we like made them sit through it. I don't know if we should have, but we did. And then last year we did it again, and it's every day for Advent. And the kids were way more chill. They like, they were chill. They actually ended up giving their lives to Jesus on oh. day eight of Advent. Um, which was really amazing. They all asked for Bibles for Christmas, so they got Bibles. And so this year we did it and it was really calm. So I was like, I wonder if the kids could actually do like a family prayer time because this this mm -hmm. is okay. And since Christmas, we have ended our days with a very quick family prayer time where we have a good time together, this that, and the other. But my point is, this was never going to happen mm -hmm. like four years ago. And if I could talk back to myself four years ago, who was feeling like it should be happening and it's not happening, I would have been like, just chill out. Like things change. You will have a time where you, where this mm -hmm. will shift, where you will have more space for what you want as far as rhythms in your family. Yeah, totally. Do you know what I mean? Now let's let's bring up the dreaded C word. How has COVID <laughs> lockdown life restricted life <sighs> changed, challenged, maybe helped spiritual formation and family? Because you and JC are in a really interesting moment right now because you have kids at home, but they're not children. They're like grown people living in your house doing their own mm -hmm. thing. So <laughs> How was this all your food affecting the conversation? Yeah, Eating all your food. Oh, thank you, coffee. Oh, look at him, husband of the year. Look at him. Text JC and tell him <laughs> to bring. Michelle I sent Jason out so that he wouldn't be here to disturb me. <laughs> um, yeah, he would just want to stay with me. Yeah. Um, so I think I think that first of all. COVID kind of happened, like you're saying there. COVID kind of hit at the same time as I personally was really struggling with being the mommy of adult children. Just to be entirely vulnerable mm -hmm. here with all their 122 people who are on here. So I was really, I mean, I think as a mommy, and I was talking to Jason about this just the other day. We were out for a walk. And one of the one of the things about COVID, well, one of the things things about this season in life is I have just watched my husband flourish as a father. Like Jason mm. was a brilliant father with the boys. Like you know this. He's a brilliant father all through the boys' lives. But you see, being the father of adult children, oh my goodness, this is his sweet spot. He is me yeah. for this moment with them, right? I think I was way more I kind of knew, I just instinctively knew how to be a mum of babies. I instinctively knew how to be a mum of littles, you know, little ones and primary school. When we got to teenage years, I think I needed to dig deeper and learn, relearn some of the things that relearn some of my parenting style because your parenting style has to shift and change once at each, at each stage. And the good thing with our boys is because they're all close together in age, you were in the same stage all the time. So as soon as Caleb went into that yeah. stage, the other two just very quickly came behind him. Um, but then this stage of adults, parenting adults, it is just, and I don't know whether, I would love to talk to other mothers of sons. I don't know whether it is part of it because they're sons and I'm their mommy. Um, and they're, and yeah. I was very intentional, um, and you, you, you know this, Dana, of I 
wanted to let go of them in the proper appropriate way I didn't want to cling on to my yeah. sons I don't want to be a clingy mommy but it's just trying to work yeah. out how that looks so I think in the middle of COVID I also had an operation last early last year so there's a lot happening I just had, I had an operation just before COVID happened literally two weeks before we went into lockdown um so I think trying to work out how can I still be this person for them I still want to be fully involved in their lives, but on their terms. And I think that's maybe the shift that now the relationship is more on their terms as opposed to mine. Yeah. And, yeah. and they still, and also the realization is actually they still need me and want me to be their mommy, but that just looks different yeah. now. So yeah. even from a spiritual formation point of view, like talking about faith and, um, like we, we've always, like even from 2004, age appropriately, we talk about church and about leadership. So for all three of our boys, a lot of our conversation about spiritual formation is around leadership, about helping yeah. them to lead in the situation wherever they are in their lives right now, whether that's at university, yeah. whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in, you know, friendships, whatever. So um, with COVID, I think being locked down, just me being in the middle of this process in the middle of lockdown made give me more time to kind of work through it but then also Matthew was back home all the time Micah was still in Liverpool Caleb was in Belfast but couldn't come home because of lockdown so um we were and I hated that feeling of for the first time my boys couldn't be here like they couldn't just come home if they wanted just to come home for a weekend they couldn't do that um yeah for me personally my own my own spiritual formation as a parent and as a mum I would say I had to get really intentional again because just I don't know about the rest of you um like every day kind of merged into another there was just this yeah so I had to like really discipline myself to say right in the morning time here's my chair here's where I'm going to sit with yeah. my coffee I'm going to light a candle I'm using this devotional and me and the dog would sit there for as long as it yep. took for me to connect with Jesus so um yeah so I hope that answers your question that's true I think after like the first excitement of oh we don't have anything to do you realized we actually do need a structure Catherine wants to know mm -hmm. Michelle did you outright ask your boys would you would you outright ask them right now what do you need from me right now or is they're happy to have with you or do you just sort of use your intuition and the Holy Spirit um it's both I mean because I've again because they're three very different young men um I have a very different relationship with all three of them but I would say that I'm equally close to all three of them I mean we like the one thing when our boys were teenagers that in our parenting which is spiritual I mean I just think parenting is spiritual formation I don't think we can I don't think we can split the two up. That's it. Like your values as a follower no. of Jesus is part of their spiritual formation. So there's no, there's no yeah. disconnect for me or no, like this is spiritual formation. This is parenting. It's all kind of one. That's so true. Um, and I think yeah. that all the, when, especially in teenage years where it can just, you can feel like you're losing them because they're trying to forge their own yeah. way. The big thing for me was for Jason and I, that we would, um, and Dana, you and I have very similar parent styles. What mommy yeah, and daddy say goes, especially when they're small. Yes. Right? Oh, but once yes. they're teenagers, then there's this negotiation and a wee bit of flexibility and a wee mm -hmm. bit of like fight, choose your battles kind of thing. But I remember Jason and I yeah. decided that we would lose a battle or two for the sake of relationship with the boys. Mm 
that we were yeah we were prepared to give over the power even to them in the relationship for the sake of the relationship mm. and now when I look at the relationship we have with our boys I'm so glad we did that because we just we have I totally Catherine like your question I completely can ask them and I do regularly I mean I'll even talk I've even talked to them about the discomfort I felt and said boys I'm I'm struggling to find where I fit but without making them feel because yeah. I don't want them to feel like it's their fault because it's not it's just life circumstances yeah we yeah. would we would talk about that um like and I think that's one thing I have always um observed about your family that Andrew and I have been intentional about pursuing with our family is that you JC and the boys are very open with each other you know you guys have very and you always have had a very deep conversations your boys have always had a voice at the table whenever we were all eating as a family and this is such a this is one of my favorite memories of um, the Scott family, actually. And one of the things that Andrew and I bring up often when we talk about um, boundaries with our kids, because you are so right, spiritual formation is the whole of the family experience, how we move through the family experience. Now, I remember being at a dinner table with you and JC, and all three boys were there, and we were having a spirited debate about something. And you have to know my Andrew, he loves... To debate with the Scott boys. Oh my gosh. And they love it. Like, and so they're going for something, going for it. And I remember this moment. I don't remember who it was. It might have been Caleb. Because Andrew and Caleb really have great conversations together. And something that Caleb made JC feel like you've just crossed the line of respect or appropriateness. And it was like this really simple, like, hey. And Caleb goes, and I think he was like, oh, sorry, you know, kind of thing. And I was like, oh, I love this. In that moment, I'm literally watching you guys shape and disciple your children. You are teaching them in that moment how to have a conversation, how to respect other people's opinions, and how to do it um, appropriately. And I was just like, oh, this is, this is spiritual formation. This is the whole thing. It's not just a devotion or which stories you read your kids or how often they go to kids' church. It's all the sort of unreligious signals they get from you and how you do your, your family, how you listen to them, how you talk to them. I've always loved that about you guys. Thank you. I really have. Thank you. There's some really, yeah. really great um, advice down the chat guys I would advise you I would just recommend you look through those people are recommending amazing yeah. resources amazing. for your children yeah um, can I also recommend yeah. I don't know if you've read I mean probably um, again this comes into the parent and spiritual formation for me is all one thing is um, now my mind's gone blank boundaries uh, McLeod Henry McLeod's boundaries book he does one for children and teenagers for parent you know for as parents mm -hmm. and I find his teenage one fantastic whenever we were at the stage for um yeah for with our kids just of that whole boundary thing you're talking about you know how do you still have boundaries but as they grow and develop how do you help them you know establish their boundaries as well it's not just boundaries how does yeah. that work when there's boundaries the other way around um you were talking there dana about um 
that book and Voss Camp book. And we mm-hmm. we got to we were visiting you one evening and you were we were doing that all and we got to, to participate in it all together. And I was, oh my goodness, yeah. I was so moved. I was like, yeah. it felt like such a precious thing to be invited into because it, it felt like this. Like and I, I mean, we love your kids too, and it's and I think because they remind us of our three when they were small because they're close in age and everything. And we love like the boys love their uncle JC because he's mad and they love carrying on. Oh, and I love getting yeah. wee Nor um over to me so I can just sit and talk to her and everything like that there. But it just felt like this whole honestly, without over spiritualizing it, it felt like a sacred moment. Yeah. Felt like this sacred moment just to sit with you guys as you um read and prayed with your children and it was like it was completely mm. filled with the holy spirit but in the most beautiful gentle way and i think that we can sometimes underestimate just simply by inviting the holy spirit into our homes and into those moments yeah. that what he is doing that we can't see yes like what you're putting yeah. the layers that you're putting into your family and just the fact that you're inviting the Holy Spirit to come and fill that space and fill your home yeah. and fill your hearts yeah. is just I mean you know don't be panicking you know guys don't be panicking about you know I need to do this devotional or I need to get these resources honestly my yeah. number one thing is just at that create that space and that place for the Holy Spirit to come mm. and minister to your children and that that's right my goodness if if we can give that over to him surely that's yeah that's the big win isn't it that's exactly right and i mean we i'm just thinking while you were talking i don't think it's a coincidence that our family have started to really flourish by gathering together at night at the end of the day and having that moment and inviting the holy spirit um i mean we do it's really funny actually some nights sometimes i'm because we're like trying to teach them how to hear the Holy Spirit. And so we have a little bit of a prayer time. And it says, if anybody felt like they, they got a feeling or a picture or whatever, and you feel like maybe Jesus was trying to speak to you through it, go ahead and share it. And I mean, the kind of stuff these people are talking about, my kids, I, I, I want to be like, that ain't Jesus. <laughs> you know. <laughs> You know? You're just like, just let them be. And I'm like, that's not Jesus. Jesus don't do unicorns. <laughs> How do you know, Dana? How do you know? I know. And Andrew was like, well, maybe Jesus is doing unicorns today. But, <laughs> but it's that thing of creating for them a space where, and I had this thought, I had to really check myself that for children, the most important thing right now for my kids is for them to feel the freedom to invite Jesus into their imaginations. Do you know what I mean? Because I had this this, uh, thought the other day, our imaginations are where we go to see things that are not in the physical. Mm -hmm. That's where we go to see things that are not yet or whatever. So it makes sense to me that there's some sort of link between the prophetic and your imagination where God will step into that space with you. And so I'm like trying to like hold my tongue while my children are trying to their imaginations and all sorts of heretical stuff is going on. But I love that they keep asking Jesus to speak to them. Do you know what I mean? And so there's, there's laughter, there's, you know, yeah, there's a great tension here but... from Suzanne. Dan, I want to ask you, and Suzanne says, uh-huh. the last few months have been so intense. 
with spending a huge amount of time together, how do you cope with repair situations when you know you've been a horrible parent? My patience is where for thin. Oh my gosh. That's a great question. Is that Suzanne? Suzanne, girl, you asked the right mom because these kids are wearing me thin, okay? <laughs> Michelle, how many times do I call you? And I was like, if if the restrictions allowed, you would be coming to pick up these kids right now. Come pick them up, save their lives. Um, you know, two things I would say that I've been thinking a lot about lately, Michelle, and Suzanne is I, I know for sure that I cannot do this parenting thing perfect. Mm -hmm. I know that. Mm -hmm. um, I also know for sure that I don't think anybody gets out of childhood without issues. Mm -hmm. All right. So one of my biggest hopes and dreams is that my children um, don't have like debilitating issues for me. Like, you know, a few counseling sessions, I don't know, maybe it'll help them out, you know, after uni or something, but not, you know, crazy. And so if, if those things are true, I just have to lean into modeling repentance mm -hmm. to my kids and being really honest. I mean, I, we had to, had to take them with me to go for the big shop yesterday. And it was one of my working at home, work, working at home mom days. And when I have to work at home and I have, you know, to do homeschool, I am not the nicest person. I have no patience. I am not humored by some of their shenanigans. And I let them know sometimes in appropriate ways. And sometimes I could be a bit harsh. And I remember we got in the car and I just said, guys, I just need you to know that on these days when mommy has to work and homeschool, I'm not my, the best version of myself. I'm working on it and I'm really sorry, but you are great kids. You really are great kids. You know, I'm really sorry. That's on me. And they're like, it's all right, mommy. We know you can get a little stressed out, you know, and that's the only thing I have right now is that to model for them the honesty and the awareness. This is really hard for me. And your mother, who's supposed to know everything, have to learn and not know everything and have to say sorry quite a lot. And the other thing that has been a big help for me, Suzanne, I don't know if this will help you, but do you know, Michelle, how we grew up with like, take up your cross, follow Christ, die with Jesus. Like, yeah, this is the thing. I'm going to be honest. I low key secretly hated those scriptures. I was like, what does that even mean? I'm not trying to, what? You know, because I, when I was a teenager, it was like people like Shane Claiborne were like selling all their stuff and living with nothing. And I was like, oh, Jesus, is that what I got to do? Oh, Lord. So I, I had an issue. Like, I just had a love-hate relationship with those scriptures. And the other day, I felt like the Holy Spirit really wanted to um, unpack those scriptures for me. And I just realized that, like, taking up my cross, we looking, we're looking for this grand, massive like, what is that going to mean? Are we going to have to plant another church or, you know, whatever it, it, it is? But taking up my cross literally is whatever's in front of me that feels too hard to do, but it's the right thing to that's do, good, right? Gina. Sometimes that's being nice to my kids. And I'm just being super honest here. Sometimes that's taking myself away from what I want to do and allow someone to crawl up in my lap and tell me this long story that has no point 
and and act like I'm really into it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I have, I literally, I, I, I was about to call you the other day for show because I was like, give me your tattoo artist name. I got to get a cross tattooed somewhere where I can see it on my body because this is my jam. Like, you know, every like every 10 years, the Lord speaks to you that word that's like for the next 10 years, it's like the word for the decade. And I was like, this is what he spoke to me. Like, take up your cross and it's, it's the right thing to do that's right in front of you that is really hard to do. And so for me, a lot of that revolves around parenting. Mm-hmm. It's hard right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And there are seasons for that as well. I mean, like you're right in the middle. Like I, right now, my heart is breaking for parents. And then, and, and I have to be honest, the majority of people that I see it's the struggle with is with moms who are yeah. working often from home. And it not, it's not just mums, there's dads as well doing it in my life. So I know it's not just mums, but when you're a parent and you're working from home, your kids are still at school and you're expected to homeschool. Um, or it's supposed, Really, it's remote learning. I mean, homeschooling is when you choose to do it. One of my friends, <laughs> I just, when my friend Kathy clarified this for me the other week and I was like, oh my goodness, this is so right. You know, remote learning is what yeah. we're all doing, right, what you are all doing right now. Thank the Lord. The Lord knew, the Lord himself knew that none of us would have survived if I had been doing home learning with our three. No, literally, we wouldn't have survived. And the boys laugh, they know we would not have survived. If homework time was bad enough, yeah. home learning. So this home learning that you guys are all in and you are in the middle of this, you know, your kids, like I've talked to parents who literally their children are crying because they want to see their friends and they can't see their friends. Yeah. Um, there's teenagers who are longing, like that those teenagers, whenever you are long, your friends or your family, they're so important to you. And parents who are like distraught because they're having to say, no, you can't go and see your friends because it's yeah. right now. And, and in the middle of all this hardship, then there's, I just think that, that you guys, with small children you are trying to do all of that all of it and you're wanting to do yeah. it with yeah. Jesus and you're wanting to mold and help form your children into fully devoted followers of yeah. Jesus and all of that and I just think yeah the Holy Spirit is going to give you the strength that you need to do it but I also think that that my word for you would be is just give yourselves a break let some of it go you know, like yeah. the pressure and the expectation yeah. that you have to do it all every day. You know, I think one of the things that that one of the, the things that I've come to actually we, we learned it. I learned it through my son, Micah, um, who ended up having a, like a mental health um, crisis whenever he was in the sixth. And I would say to him um growing up to all three of the boys because this is what my my parents said to me as long as you try your best that's okay so if I did something and I failed as long as I tried my best that was okay and that worked for me to be honest that 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 worked fine for me but for Micah that didn't work and I didn't realize this but that didn't work because he thought it was his best in my mind I knew it meant at the best in the moment but for him he was thinking his best on a good day is what he had to sustain all the time and and this has been right, okay. for me and this is what i tell people right now i said you know right now what is your best in the given circumstances so for all mm-hmm. of us right now being a mom being a dad um 
right now in this moment is right now in this moment what's your best you can give it's not your best 10 months ago it's not your best three years ago it's not your best whenever you were at the pinnacle of whatever you felt your parenting moment was that isn't what the lord is expecting yeah. of you right now he just wants your best right in this moment it's the best today, today. that's right it yeah and even if you're best to saying sorry, oh, kids. That's, and I did that, that early, <laughs> early, early days. I mean, and I think I, I did it yeah. because I grew up in a home where my mom never said sorry. I mm. determined that I would say sorry. So even from they were tiny, like I, like I would be, if I gave a punishment, that was it. You know, if they did it. And, and I remember yeah. a couple of times Jason coming to me and saying, Michelle, that was a bit harsh. And I'd be like, I'm not backing down. <laughs> and he'd be like, well, it was a wee bit harsh. And even at times like that, I had to go back and go, okay, boys, you know what? That was harsh. Yeah. I need to reevaluate. Yes, there's yeah. still consequences for what you did, but that what I, mommy reacted in anger there rather than from a place of love. So we're going to reevaluate what the consequences were. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. I saw a question there that we missed and um, I can't remember who asked it. I want to say it was a guy who was asking as a, as a pastor who doesn't have children but wants to help serve families and sort of support their uh, journey on spiritual formation within the family, what does he think? What do we think um, would be good things for him to be aware of and sort of um, serve families in that way? You know, um, I'm not too sure. Oh. I had a thought ahead. because I've, I've really, yeah, I've really felt very strongly over these last nine, 10 months, however long we've been doing this. Um, I think because I'm not a church leader mm-hmm. and I am really passionate about people self-leading spiritually, right? So I remember one of my favorite things that Andrew does at Lagan Valley Vineyard is if a family come and say, we want to dedicate our child to the Lord, he says, great, that's what you're going to do. You're going to dedicate your child to the Lord. And we're all here to sort of support. And so depending on how um, comfortable the family feel or whoever is going to do it in the family feel, they actually do the act of dedicating mm-hmm. their own children, not Andrew. Andrew leads the community and praying for the family but the actual act of the child being dedicated to the lord is done by the mom or the dad or whoever is um taking that spot and the the thinking behind that is there's this thing that like we're waiting sometimes for the pastors to lead us into you know these places and i think it became even more evident during the the various lockdowns because a lot of us felt really lost without our without the youth group for the kids or the, the children's ministry or the whatever and i just felt this thing this passion like i wanted to lead my family like i i can um i'm a believer in jesus i hear from the holy spirit and i want to lead my kids holistically into a life where they have opportunities to meet Mm -hmm. Jesus, um, whatever that looks like. And what I realized is Andrew came to me the other day, which is so funny because you would think 
when it comes to being our family spiritually, that Andrew would probably do that a lot better because he's the pastor. But he came to me the other day, he's like, I really appreciate how you've led us spiritually over the, the last 10 months. And I don't even think I was like, I'm going to be the spiritual formation coach in the house. It's just that I got really excited that our connection with Jesus was not tied to whether or not we could go to a service. Do you know what I mean? And that it's okay. Like I was really excited about maybe our kids when they remember accepting Jesus Savior, they're going to remember sitting on our sofa one evening in December because we were all talking about Jesus. They're not going to remember being in a massive service with this, that, and the other. So I think for me, to that pastor who asked that question, I would love to see more leaders, church leaders, really um, encourage families to dream on how they can lead themselves. Like you, you are your kids' pastors. That's really cool. And in a level that's not like a churchy thing, Andrew's like my pastor and I'm like mm. his pastor, like at different times we're leading each other. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I just, I want the people around me and my, my mommy friends and whatever to feel that sense of freedom and empowerment to go, this is what it looks like for our family right now. And this is intentional and it's good. And we're going to use whatever we've got, you know, to do the best we can. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, just, I mean, like, like that's one of the things. So we have a children's pastor and a youth pastor in church and that work part-time. <clears throat> and what we really encourage them, what we say is you never take the job of the parent. Our job and their jobs and what yeah. they've done, actually, Michaela and Alan have done, I think, so well over lockdown is they have been producing resources to help parents to um, pastor yeah. their children. And that has been, I mean, that is something that we've talked about for years in church of how, how we could do that better, how we could um, empower parents to really take that on board. But actually, I think with COVID, yeah. this has just been the this has just been the fantastic opportunity. And we, you know, we get amazing um, stories back where parents have said, "Look, thank you. This has just helped us. We have been able to connect with our kids. We felt out of our depth. We didn't know where to start, but actually, you know, this has helped us. Like one of the things Alan did um, for the youth, which is brilliant. This is all his idea, nothing to do with me. He did it. Was he put together like a movie pack and delivered it to every every family that have teenage children and they had a, a movie in it and popcorn and some like like I think there might even been a game in it and he just said look have a have a movie night as a family and for some families that just was like like they just were like thank you so much this is brilliant but even just to like even just to feel that this is okay to suggest it because I think especially with teenagers I think parents and I experienced this too was you just start to feel so uncool and you just start to feel so much. Yeah. And you're just like going, they're not going to want to hang out with us because like we're, and because they do, they treat you like, you know, nothing. Right. So we we joke in our house, Jason and I joke, we were going like, I mean, we went from being quite sort of, you know, capable people who <laughs> pastor a church mm -hmm. and know a few things to all of a sudden know nothing. I mean, like if you were at our dinner table mm -hmm. night, night Dana, when they're all here. We don't know anything anymore, you know, but that's agency <laughs> of life. And I think sometimes, um, sometimes with 
um, sometimes with with teenage children, especially when you're at that stage, I just think you think they're not going to want to do a family activity. They're not going to want to do something. And I think even they do want it. They just don't know that they want it. And it may not look how it may not look all rosy and nice. They may end up fighting and arguing all in the middle of it. But it's just to create these moments of connection in the middle. Because, again, that connection is well. It's all um, it's all in, encompassed in the whole thing. Um, um, That's right. Some people are saying, I see Jenny there's talking about um, that she is a single parent and she gets so bogged down and sorting out food in the laundry and home educating. Yeah. Um, Jenny, yep. I just, my heart goes out to you and all the other thousands of uh, parents in our community that, that you represent, you know, and, and I think that in church, especially sometimes we, those of us who are still, um, together with our with our spouses and our family um, has both parents. Sometimes we can forget how difficult it is for single mm. parents. Um, so I just want to encourage you that you are doing a phenomenal job. You know that the fact that you are managing to keep everything all going means that you are doing a phenomenal job. And my prayer is for you and for all of us who are in in couples that we would look beyond our own families, that we would look beyond and we would look out for, I mean, even like adopt in, adopt in a single parent family into your family group. And I know it's hard in the middle of COVID, but, you know, even yeah. just check in, just, you know, if it's a case of, can I go and get your groceries for you someday so that you don't have to do that? If that's one yeah. thing I can take off you so that you can spend time, um, you know, doing all the other things that you need to do. So, um, so yeah, thank you so much. That is so incredible that you said that because I, I wasn't watching those comments, Michelle, and I genuinely felt the Holy Spirit was like, speak to the single parents. And mm. I, Jenny, can I say to you, I was raised by a single mother and she did an incredible job. I, if I could be half of the mom, to my kids that she was to me, I would be absolutely happy. And I guess what I wanna to say to you is, um, you have just as much available to you as far as the outcome of your parenting as any people in a two parent situation. Mm -hmm. Your kids are not automatically in lack just because they're being raised That's by so a single good. mom. That is not a thing. And I've, and I've seen that sort of, I, I saw my mom sort of struggle with that a little bit. Um, and I've seen other friends who are single parenting struggle and almost approach it like we're already at a lack. And I know that it can feel like that a lot of times, but the reality is um, my, I, out of my friends who were parented by two parents, I have one of the richest, most life-giving relationships with my mother um, mm -hmm. of anybody that I know. That woman taught me so much. Watching her hustle, I think that sometimes we feel guilty as parents, particularly single moms, when you have to spend so much time outside the home or so much time just trying to hustle to put food on the table, uniforms on the children's backs, you're fulfilling all these roles. And the reality is watching my mom hustle like that made me believe that I could be a strong woman that could make it happen. I, the respect I have for her, I just want you to know you're not at a lack. There are some really incredible things I think in store for you and your kids. And we mm. see you 
That leads me into something, Michelle, you told me you wanted to say, and I want to give you time to say it before we, we run out of um, this time, because I was going to ask you if you could give families, um, families of all shapes and sizes, we're not just talking about the, the you know, mommy, daddy, kids, but families, that's grandparents, single moms, single dads, um, foster families, adoptive families. Um, if you could give them one piece of advice, what would it be? And you brought up the yeah. village. And so I want you to unpack I, that for me. Yeah, and just the last minute that we have, um, I think that one, I, I read an amazing book whenever um, Micah was born, our second boy was born while he was pregnant with the third, um, called Raising Boys um, by an Australian guy. Fantastic, non-Christian, but just really, really, really fantastic book. But um, and all, And one of the things he talked about was different stages in your child's life, not just for sons, where influences are really important. So one of the things that we intentionally did um, was we saw our boys' lives, especially whenever they would reach teenage years, we realized that our influence would begin to look different. That, yes, you still have an influence, but it's very different. I mean, really, until they're 11, 12, maybe you are big, really big time, the sole influence, really, the major influence in their lives. But then that starts to shift. So one of the things that we were really intentional about was having friends and people in our boys' lives that... Um, other adults not just relying on their friends because obviously in their teenagers friends become a huge part of their lives but to be honest we just didn't want to leave that influence to teenagers <laughs> we wanted to make sure that there was adults in our boys lives that they could connect with and who would really take on a part of that influence that would especially around spiritual formation and especially mm -hmm. around um, church and their faith so Andy and Dana are two of those people for our boys and that is a really intentional thing yes we're friends with you we didn't just become friends with you because we wanted you to take on the responsibility <laughs> with, our, with our boys but but instantly there was this yeah. connection you guys we're older than you we're about 10 years older well more uh, yeah we're older than you um and uh and it's just in that there's this sort of you kind of fall in between like you're younger than us but you're still older than the boys so and they just mm -hmm. like our boys just adore you too i mean it got to the stage where we, we would call when you guys live in lisburn and if we would call in on the way home from belfast or something without them they would be so mad <laughs> they would be like how come you get to see andy and dana how come you get to see them how come we don't get to see them because literally for them you are our friends yeah. you are part of our lives as a whole now that's not this with all of our yeah. friends but I think we were really strategic with some of our friends who we knew the boys had relationship with and connection with. Yeah. And um, like I know that like, I mean, our Caleb in particular, him and Andy are very similar. And like he would reach out to Andy on a regular basis for advice, especially now as a young man, he would be like, you know, and that's that's wonderful to see that. But I just think whether it's a youth pastor, whether it's another friend, you know, in particular, Jenny, sorry to go back to you again, but just, you know, as a single parent, you know, you look out for male, look out for other males in, in your life that can not step into the place of father, but just, to, just can actually be there. And also other females as well, just people that can come in to your children's lives and just help with that place when that time in life when they start looking outside of the family unit for influence it's really mm -hmm. helpful if you have people already built in there that that they yeah. connect with too and it's not a forced thing but it is intentional i think that's the big thing yeah yeah 
That's really good, Michelle. I love that. Absolutely love that. Listen, we are three minutes past time, and I want to give you guys the freedom to know that if you need to leave, we, um, you may definitely leave. But I also want to um, give people the opportunity to, to ask one last question, and if we can get to them quickly, we will definitely, definitely do that. Um, and while just going to say, Michelle, I totally echo that whole village thing. That's been mm -hmm. uh, when young people even come to us who are like engaged and they're like, what can we do, you know, for good foundations for family now? And I'm just like, start building your village, start building your village. Okay. You know what I mean? It's and it could be literally and my village consists of middle aged farmers, you know, who have raised all their children and they're out of the house like you know my kids have they call uncle farmer adrian and auntie pauline <laughs> and they just love my kids uncle farmer adrian and they'll take them on the farm they would take them for a whole weekend when the kids were young that's the kind of stuff that is gold that's the kind of stuff that keeps you sane no you're actually not alone and that when it is difficult you do have someone to call who loves your kids and your kids love and trust them. So um, any thoughts for when teens have disengaged from church and especially due to lockdown from Chantel? What do you think, Michelle? I think that is so hard, Chantel. I, I mean, I think it's if you'd asked me that question pre-lockdown, I would just I mean it'd be a completely different answer because, you know, there was times and, and struggles with, our boys when they were teenagers with regards to church now we took we took a different stance on it and that we just said as far as church is concerned you need to engage with it because as a family this is something we are and do as a family but when it came to sex for example the teenage stuff or the youth environments we didn't force those we didn't force the boys to be involved in that if they didn't want to um with regards to now during lockdown i mean I don't know. I don't know. Is it worth? Is it worth trying to send like on a Sunday? Like it's different for pastors because sometimes I know you're a pastor as well. It's kind of different for us when this is our work. Um, maybe looking out for resources that you think they might connect with. Um, it maybe even be looking because of the world, we're, the time we're living in now, is even asking some other uh, people that do you know of a service or something churches are doing that maybe young people are connecting with right now and really encouraging that and saying right as a family once a week we're going to sit down and we're going to engage in this together just something to keep sort of to keep that connection going but um it's that sort of thing of we don't want to force god on our kids because we don't want to turn them off but i also think sometimes yeah. we allow the pendulum then to swing too far where we just completely relinquish it and i think that we yeah. need to keep the environment open to our kids meeting with God, even when they don't want to. But um, yeah. and trust God in that moment that God has them. Does that, I know that make yeah. sense? But that makes complete sense. It really does. That makes complete. I mean, I think back to my own upbringing, and you know, it was a non-negotiable. Like you go into church on Sunday, you don't have to look, have to sing the songs, you know. But this is what we do as a family. It's one of our family rhythms, and. I don't have teenagers and so I, I, I can't speak to that, but I think, you know, you, you sort of raise kids how you were raised. And that's one of the things that I probably, it just makes sense to me. We'll see how it works out for me. But the, um, the other thing I would say with that, that I apply it to my kids, to my younger kids, and maybe um, I wonder if you would 
feel the same way, Michelle. Like for me, I cannot say that it's a goal of my parenting that all three of my children follow Jesus. That's my hope because, and I've had to realize the difference between goals and hopes. When I set a goal for my family, that's something that I can control. That's something that I can, you know, pretty much dictate whether I do it or don't do it. The things that I can't control, like whether my kids are going to fall in love with Jesus, whether they're going to have some teenage years where they're not as close to him and maybe whatever, I can't control those things. So I guess my actual goals revolve around the atmosphere in my home and the type of relationship that I'm connecting with my kids. So I'm hoping that even if they decide not to follow Jesus' teenagers, that we can still have really good chats about life. And I'm still a trusted voice in their lives. And I can be honest about my love for Jesus and they can be honest about maybe their struggle to love Jesus. And to me, that's, that's a goal of mine. So I'm trying to lay the, the groundwork of honesty and openness and, and you can tell mommy anything without feeling shame yeah. or whatever. Do you know what totally, I mean? I mean, yeah, just this one thing before I realize we're running over. So if anybody wants to leave, you can feel free, but we're probably happy to keep Please. Five minutes if you want to um that just like one of our boys um was making some choices at one stage that we weren't they knew we weren't happy with they knew that it was against our you know it was against our sort of family value sort of thing without i don't want to break any confidentiality but you know it was something that they knew we wouldn't be happy with but they came and talked to us about it even with that they were like going yeah. We know this isn't what I know. This isn't what you would choose for me, and I know this isn't what you would want, or you would even like. But they, they're adults; like they're all adults now. Um, and but we had in that moment say, "We love you. We don't like this choice. We are going to try to help you not make that choice, and we are not going to back down on what we believe and what we think. But we still love you. You're still accepted. We're so thankful that you would come and talk to us." And they said that when they talk to their friends who don't know Jesus and because a lot of their friends don't know Jesus and, and are very, very wide, broad, broad spectrum of lifestyles. And when they explained, whenever it came up in conversation and our son explained that they were open with us and they knew, their friends knew that we're, that we're pastors, they were like going, how could you, like, how could you talk to your family about that? How could you talk to your parents about mm -hmm. that? But that gives them this opportunity to say, but but their our faith isn't judgmental. Our faith isn't yeah. uh, we love you because you do ABC, but actually faith yeah. is so that ended up turning into this thing where they get where our son got to explain what real faith in Jesus looks like and what acceptance looks like and what unconditional love looks like and all that. Now I'd be lying to say that that there isn't a wrestle within us when we were trying to parent all that and work through all that because everything within me just wanted to say just wise up <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean but it's like there's these there's still there's still these moments even with young adults to have these teachable moments but the big thing is is having a fight That's for relationship good. fight for relationship with above all else and lead and lean with unconditional love for your kids and because the hope is that they'll always come back to you. The hope is no matter what they're going through, whether they end up like the prodigal son, which I'm not saying my son was like, well, well you know, do you know what I mean? I'm not judging anybody. It's not like that. It's like 
it doesn't matter you want them to know they can always come home you want them to know they can yeah. come back that's exactly right michelle that's so good that's so very Dana, good would you finish up by praying for us uh, i'd love you to pray for us yes i would love that um thank you guys so much for being a part of our conversation and being so active in the chats um and i'm sure michelle would it be the same if you if you want to message us or whatever um to to um, ask a question or whatever we're here but let me pray over all of you and bless all of you holy spirit we love you and we just thank you that even through this hop in seminar you have been here you have been present even through all the technology and the comments and Father, I just want to bless every person who is a part of this conversation. Uh, would you go with them? Remind them that you go before them. This um, family thing and parenting thing is such a terrifying journey for us because we are so aware of what is at stake. And Jesus, would you help us all to walk that journey in peace, knowing that actually you are the one leading and you are the one um, forming and transforming all of us together. Father, I pray that there would be grace in these homes in the name of Jesus. I pray that you would um, start to speak to some of these carers and these parents and just in the middle of the day, show them how, what to do, when to give the hug, when to whatever, and just remind people that you are in this with us. Father, I thank you that you have made us a people, you have made us a priesthood, and that we have the freedom to lead in our homes and to seek after you um, in the ways that work for us. Father, I pray these, these would be homes full of the word of God, um, and full of the grace of God and the kindness of God in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.